So, next trip, Charlie. There he is, my man. He's looking pretty cool. Nice outfit, my man. There we go, brother. Hi. Hey, how are you, Charlie? Thank you. Just going to Newtown, buddy. Thank you. No dramas, boss. Right, let's get you there, mate. Snooze the alarm several times, <laughs> and mate, I've and done it before. Mate, there's some hand sanitizer in the back yep, there for you. Just, just used it. Thank you, matey. Uh, snooze. What do you do for work? I work for the National Association of People with HIV. We're currently working in COVID. Yeah, right. Okay. How's all that going for you? It's good. It's sort of people are um, easing lockdown and sort of getting to go and. Out in the world, I don't think people are prepared for a second one. Do you think it's coming? Oh, I think that we have to be smart and assume that at some stage. I think I think we're a matter of days, mate. To be honest, you look at Melbourne; they're saying that we think they think we're four weeks behind Melbourne. Yeah, but I think that's now probably two weeks. Yeah, because of where they're at, and I think it's but it's also like um, you know just debacles from. you know, private firms and, and oh. governments like the Ruby Princess. Like, yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good. How long have you been doing what you've been doing, though, in the, with the HIV and that sort of stuff? So I just moved back to Sydney a year ago, but I've been, um, yeah, I've been doing that for uh, like five years. So what exactly is it? So I work for a national peak organisation that advocates for the rights and... Um, for people living with HIV, for scientific advances, for policy. So, is yeah. it difficult to get that sort of stuff across the line? Um, not really, because the science has changed so much. Okay. So it's um, you know, we've come a long way from the eighties and the nineties. Where do you think? And I, I, I mean, I have two two daughters yeah. that wouldn't would know nothing about. You know, they're eight and twelve. They would know nothing about HIV in the sense of what what devastation it. Yeah. It did way back when. Um, do you think the public perception is still uh, largely unknown about it? Well, I think the public perception is tied to the 80s and the 90s. Yep. So certainly for conversations we're having, um, you know, there's a pill that um, HIV people can have once a day that prevents HIV from sexual contact. Really? Yep. And also, people living with HIV that are on effective treatments can't transmit the virus sexually anymore. They can't? No, because their virus is down to an undetectable level. So, you know, these sort of advances aren't part of the public sphere. So, I didn't know that. I guess, I, I mean, I'm not, not that I should. I, I, I should yeah. know it, shouldn't I? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that for, like, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and so if we're talking about pandemics, that's probably the, been the biggest one of our time. And so, you know, this, this sort of information is, is helpful to know. Yeah. And I guess also thinking of it like it's a gay disease, um, you know, that there was that sort of attached to it. Well, that, that, that I think is part of the problem, though, is that everybody thought that anybody had HIV had been, was no, gay. No risk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so what that happens is that, you know, when your daughters are old enough, have conversations about regular sexual health screening because women are the latest diagnosed population. So if they have had sex with somebody, they um, you know might go for a sexual health screening. Um, they have to opt in for an HIV test, and so, so it's not it's not just part of a test. Now you've got to you've got to tick a box for, effectively. Not for at risk sort of. Um, right. Wow. 
population. So it's just, you know, realizing that it can happen to anybody. Like I know many amazing HIV positive women, um, you know. So how is HIV contracted uh, these days the most readily? I mean, well, like I mean, it's always been um, through, sexual. through sexual transmission right. because, um, you know, Australia is really smart. They set up needle exchange programs, you know, to criminalize sex work. Things like that that, um, you know, if you're looking at other countries, they have really high injecting drug use transmission. Yeah. Um, same with, um, you know, if you had an exposure um, within 72 hours, you can go on a treatment that um, stops your risk of getting HIV. And so, you know, things like needle stick injuries are out. So now it's, it's sexual. Um, we also don't have mother to child vertical transmission anymore. So how do they stop that? Um, it's just by realizing that, um, you know, A, it's not passed on in utero. It's not passed on, like, if you're an HIV positive mother from anything other than childbirth. So it, it's also found in breast milk. And so it's just realizing that if you're on treatment, there's less risk of transmitting to baby. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So how did you get into that? Um, so I got into that. I'd been working in various sectors. I'd had a friend sort of lose their battle with HIV. Um, I also got diagnosed with HIV and decided that, um, you know, I wanted to do something meaningful with it. That's awesome. And is it, has, it, has it affected your life? Um, well, I've been HIV positive for 15 years now. Um, so I've... I've had all of the, um, you know, all of the coming to terms with it. What was the hardest thing about coming to terms when you first found out? Oh, knowing that I have to tell my mum. So wow, okay. she she actually worked in the HIV sector in the 80s. So she was a buddy for people when they were dying of AIDS. Yep. And so she'd go collect the groceries, chicken, and, um, you know, massage. And just so her knowledge was frozen at that point in time. So how, what was her reaction? Um, just lots of um, crying. Like I think I put off phoning her and telling her for so long that she was going to, like, she lives in New Zealand, she was going to get the police to try and find me because she thought something had happened to me. I just avoided it. Did, was it cathartic when you told her, though? Um, it was cathartic when I had enough information to tell her so for the first um, few years of living with HIV I swept it under the rug I didn't want to no, I didn't want to manage my health but now that I'm working in the HIV sector at, you know I'm able to give her up to date information how is how is how is her oh, she's come around yeah no very big way she's my number one supporter like Fantastic. when I decided to go public in the media and to be an advocate. Oh, is that right? Um, yeah, so she's she's had my back, you know, the whole way. Well, mate, more power to you, champion. Thank you. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I, I don't know enough about it. I probably should know a bit more about it, with, especially well, I mean, with children. You know, the, you know the main things now. You know that, uh, you know, through sexual transmission of a person knows that they have HIV and it's on effective treatment that they can't pass it on. And life, um, life's no different, is it? No. No, I I have the same life expectancy as anybody else my age. Awesome. I, you know, happy, healthy. And you have, you have a you have a partner? 
no, oh, no, too right. much trouble. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm I dealing it. with COVID and work. I don't have time for compromise on top of that. Yeah, no, fair call. <laughs> fair call. Well, mate, that's, I like that. I'm, I'm really happy for you. What an interesting podcast this turned out today. Mate, it was lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you too. Have a great day, Charlie. Keep you up the good too. work. See you, boss. Well, that was Charlie. Charlie was great. HIV positive. But he's doing something positive with his life. I like him. Well done, Charlie. See you, champion. There we go. Zoe, just up the road. And I'm just pulling up now. Here we are on the left-hand side. Zoe getting in the car. Hi. Hey, Hello. hey Zoe, how are you going? I'm good, how are you? Very well, thanks. Good. Some hand sanitizer. Yeah, it's me. Is that you? Yes, ma'am. How good's that? Five stars for you. Well, there we go, darling. Jeez, Louise. Um, there's some hand sanitizer in the back. Oh, there is. Now, whereabouts in England are you from? I am from originally a small town called Annick in the northeast, but then I moved to Newcastle, which you're probably more familiar yeah, with. Yeah, I know Newcastle. Newcastle upon Tyne, yeah. Um, I spent three years in Tunbridge Wells. Oh, did you? That was beautiful, That's yeah. such a random place to spend three years. Well, yeah, I mean, I ended up working for BT in Tunbridge, oh, so um, what brought you to Australia? Um... It was on my bucket list, so wrote my bucket list 10 years ago. I was in hospital with stage four cancer, and they were like, right, you need to have something to look forward to, because otherwise you're not gonna survive. So I wrote my bucket list, and on one of the top 10 was live in Sydney. So, so not, not just visit Sydney, but live in Sydney? Live in Sydney, yeah. So, okay, do you mind if we go back to the 10 year thing? Yeah. Um, how did you find out about it? My liver burst. Wow, okay, yeah. that's that'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> it did. It really hurts. I, I, I bet. is not a pleasant experience. And it doesn't happen, like, it doesn't burst and then you're like, ow, it's because it's, 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 it's so vascular. Just a few little vessels, like, you know, split, and then it's a slow bleed. Like, it's a slow, 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 slow process. So I was probably, I was probably internally bleeding for two or three days before they found it. And, and it how like, did you then realise it was bad? I passed out. That'll do it. And they rushed me to A&E, <laughs> cut right. me open from ribcage down to pelvis and saw that my entire internal abdomen was just filled with all this blood and I just lost so much blood and my liver was just, yeah, it's quite... So then, uh, is that cancer though? Yeah, so it's, ca so it's secondary cancer, it's called choriocarcinoma, it's a really rare one that women get um, from pregnancy, so I just had my son, he was six months old. Okay. And it goes to either your liver, your brain, or your lung. And mine went to my liver and my lung. Which is the better one to go to? The lung. If it goes to the brain, you're gone. Brain gone, liver... Pro secondary. Well, liver, you're still here. Yeah. Well, they told me when I got admitted, so my liver burst and the surgeon... I believe in fate, right? Because I wasn't, I wasn't at home when it happened. And had I been at home, I would have died. Because my friend, I was with my friend, and she took me to hospital. And then where I was, had the best liver surgeon in Europe on secondment there for two months. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so crazy. If I'd not had him, I would have died. And then when I finally got admitted to the only hospital in England that treats this cancer, because there's only 10 of us a year that get it, they said, we've never seen someone with it as advanced as you've got it, because normally they would have died on the operating table. So we give you about six weeks max. It's so advanced. It was advanced stage four liver cancer, which normally is uncurable. So they gave me three options, all of which resulted in me dying. And I said, 
let's create a fourth option. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that isn't me dying, but is us managing this process really, really carefully. Because they said in order to get rid of the cancer, we're going to have to give you more chemo than your body will be able to cope with. So your organs will probably fail, so it'll probably be the chemo that will kill you. So how, how long were you in chemo for? How long did that take? Six months, every week for 27 hours. So they were, they were, so toxicity did kick in. My kidneys started failing. My heart started failing. Um, we just had to manage it. So a beautiful friend of mine yeah. uh, has just come through all of her treatment. And I couldn't be happier for him. Her daughter is very good friends with my daughter. Um, and it's just so ironic you talk about that because she came through it. She only posted a couple of days ago on Facebook that she was, she went out to a beautiful lunch on the weekend with a whole lot of girlfriends. Yeah just to say that she was through the other side. Yes. And I feel so, so happy for her, That's which is amazing. just incredible. Your recovery... Yeah. Uh, just before we do that, do you want to take the tunnel or should we go down Oxford Street? I don't mind. We'll save you the, we'll save you the, the um, tunnel fare. Thank you. And I, plus, I, I selfishly, I get a couple more minutes with you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, how long did the recovery take? That's a good. That's a. That's an interesting question because the doctors would have said it took me twelve months. My psychologist would have said three years. I say seven. Okay, so give me the why. Why the doctors twelve? Why the psychologist three? Why are you seven? Physical, mental, and then spiritual. What's been the hardest part of that recovery? The journey back. So, trying to get back to a life of normality and then realizing that you can never get back to the way things were before because you've had such. A paradigm shift you've had such trauma you've had such a shift in perspective that I've now learned to live with and I now appreciate and embrace but initially I didn't want it I didn't want to know that I could die tomorrow I didn't want to live knowing the short term you know I didn't I didn't it, it scared me knowing were you afraid of dying or were you afraid of not being able to live the life you wanted to I was afraid of time time it's just all gonna run out it runs out I haven't got time I suddenly felt like time I didn't have enough time so what did you try and do oh, in that? There's an urgency to everything. Oh, really? Oh my god. And the bucket list? Where where was Australia on that list? Top ten. I mean, the list was long. What, okay, give us the top ten. What can you remember? What some of those were? Yeah. So there was things like. Scuba, and do, in any order, it doesn't matter. Scuba, so I'm a scuba diver, so I really wanted to scuba dive with manta rays in okay. Maldives deep. So I went and did that. Did there we was, tick that box? Yeah. Okay. There beautiful. Was, um, Grand Canyon helicopter ride into the Grand Canyon into the bottom. Did that um, with the whole Vegas Calvin Harris thing. Um, there was live in Sydney. There's the Galapagos Islands, which I haven't done yet, but I want to do the Galapagos Islands. And um, there was Cape Town, so wine tour around Cape Town, South Africa, and go up to Table Mountain. Did that. There's horseback safari in Africa. I haven't done that yet, but that's um, one of my things. There's go back to Tibet. So I lived in Tibet when I was 25 with the monks, and I wanted to go back. I went back and did a. What do you mean you live with the monks? <laughs> How long for? <laughs> Six months. What was that like? Oh. Did, they, did they do a lot of chanting? Oh, and a lot of. Um, <laughs> what, okay, what, what took you to bed? Volunteer work. To um, So it's quite a sad story. This is probably another podcast. So there's China have resettled a load of Tibetans and they don't know how to live. They, they don't have any way of sustaining themselves. So I went out there to help them set up businesses, set up economies, set up ways of sustaining their lives. Were you supposed to go there for a short period of time but stay for six months? No, I was supposed to go there for six months. And the only reason I came back was because I was married. And I rang my husband from China and I said, I don't want to come back. Hang on a sec. So... Your husband? Yeah, I got married when I was 24. A few years ago, just a couple of years ago. I'm 14 now. No, you're not. I am. Wow, we'll play the age game shortly. <laughs> um, okay, so you're, you married at 25. 24. 24, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, obviously the people won't know when we're caught talking, but was that your husband at the beach? No. Righty-ho. No, so once... Um, where, where, where in the story does this all start to... So my husband and I separated just after I recovered from my cancer. We realised that we weren't meant to be together, so we... we Did you realise that when you were recovering? Yeah. Yeah. Whose choice was that? Was it just a joint, you know, we, we grew was apart? All mine, but he supported it. Really? Yeah. So we've been but we've been really good friends and we've co we've brought up Charlie, our son, together, but separate for the last twelve years. And he moved out here with me and Charlie and with his partner and they've just had a baby out here. So Oh that's a good story. Yeah. That's a good story. Okay, so Tibet you do you're in China, I don't want to come home. Yeah. What's what was the most amazing thing about Tibet though? The deafening silence. So when in the middle of all the oms and all the chanting and all the, it was when it was quiet, as when it was the best. The deafening stillness and silence. It was just like flowing in space. It was amazing. What's the food like in Tibet? Horrible. Okay, good. <laughs> right there goes that, that's off, that goes my bucket list. Yeah. Okay, twenty five Tibet. Where do you go from there? So then I come back because I'm loyal and I don't want to mess up my marriage and I say to him look we've got to do something more interesting with our lives he was in corporate I was in corporate he said yeah 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 eventually eventually and I gave him eventually eventually until I fell pregnant with Charlie and then that wasn't a plan that wasn't ever on the radar we were never going to be parents but Things thank- thankfully we, we did Yeah. and it was really the, the kind of paradigm shift when I had the cancer where I was like do you know what you want to be corporate your life whole life don't you and he was like yeah I was like I don't I want to travel I want to be a nomad I want to adventure I want to explore the world There's, like, look at this book where was Charlie in this though? Where, where, where was he? Where was his loyalty? If you don't mind me asking. Charlie's very loyal to both of us. Great, so fantastic. Charlie loves us both equally, and we've always done a lot of things together. And Charlie kind of wonders why we're not together because we get on so well. So he's yeah. got the opposite problem that we get on so well. Why are mum and dad not together? Okay. Um, that's not a bad thing though. Yeah, yeah, it's worst problems that he could have. I guess. That's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. So. Uh, so liver burst. Yeah, liver burst, cancer, recover. Yeah. Um, doctors give you one year, or so they give you, it takes you a year for recovery. Yeah. The psychologist says three. Spiritually, you need seven. Yeah. When did you come to Australia? 18 months ago. What was that like when you touched down? Was it cathartic? Do you know, I can't even begin to describe. Since landing here and living here, every single dream that I've ever had for me and my life for my son has come true. Absolutely, complete perfect alignment. I love it. It's where I'm meant to be. I just love it. Uh, now, where do you live? Freshwater. Okay, right, yeah. Yeah, it so was you... the dream to live on Freshwater Beach, looking out over the ocean. Wow, look at you, just realising your dream. Yeah. I'm glad I'm catching every set of lights. <laughs> I really am sorry, Zoe, but I mean, it's just, right. you know, it's this is the vagary of the job that I love. That's so good. You know, I just, I've had a, not, I've had, I haven't had a shit day. I've just had a really slow day, yeah. and I've stopped two or three times to do a whole lot of things, and this is the reason why I keep driving around the suburbs. I just absolutely love it. Find the people, right? That's it, rightio. Now we haven't covered old mates at the beach. Oh God, rightio. So <laughs> Charlie's at school. Yeah. You're living your life, you're living the dream. What do you do for work now? I am, I've got two things on the go. So I'm a, my corporate job still runs on. So I work for Deloitte as a director of risk assurance and I run my own business where I coach people in performance and mindset. I can see why. Hmm. I can see why. What's the most rewarding thing about that job? I won't ask about Deloitte because, you know, that pays the bills and it's a job that you know. Um, people people want things and they think they can't have them or people want to be something and they think they can't be it and it's total, 
rubbish. You can be whatever you want to be and you can have whatever you want to have and you can take other people on the journey with you and you can make it fun and you can make it an adventure and it can be everything you want it to be and it doesn't have to be hard. And people need to stop suffering and struggling through life. Another, another and I, I, again, I love what you just said, another beautiful friend of mine, Vashti, uh, her partner died of cancer a few years ago and she's now got her own sort of life coaching business and she's the, she's the person I go to if ever I need some womanly advice yeah. you know because I'm I'm an idiot like you know I'm just I'm a typical Aussie bloke that you know is very uh, rough around the edges but very genuine but very rough around the edges but she's the one that just says sometimes you know look maybe you should do this a little bit differently or great idea going down that path like she did with the podcast she's just been sending me awesome messages yeah. which just reaffirms the reason why you do these things but yeah. she's the same she just has this amazing outlook on life you know through adversity comes reward yes and I, that's my it's been my catchphrase for a better part of 30 odd years mm. um and I think it relates to both of you. You know, I just it's a lovely story. It really yeah. is. So we still haven't got to old mate. It's a good story, old mate. All right, let's go. How <laughs> did you and old mate uh, from, from from Bondi? So, well, actually, we met. So I, at Christmas, my best friend who lives in Sydney, she said, what do you want to do for Christmas? Charlie was with his dad. And we were like, don't know, don't know. He was like, well, let's go to Byron Bay. So we booked a girl's trip to Byron Bay, just Beautiful. the two of us. And Christmas Day, Byron Bay, we'd had this four-course meal, unlimited drinks at the loft in Byron. Little plug there for them, they're yeah. awesome. Yeah, we'll tag them in. <laughs> and, um, Free weekend away. We stood on the side of the road waiting for our Uber to take us back to our little place that we had. We had a pool and an outdoor hot tub. Oh. And it was gorgeous, little oasis retreat. And I'm stood there and I'm, there's a busker and I'm dancing on the side of the street, just swaying gently. I'm not like, you know, wild. I'm just like enjoying the music in the moment. And this guy walks past, old mate, and I notice him and I just carry on. And then he walks past again. And I thought, well, that's that guy that just walked past. And then he walks past again and, and I look at him and he went, really sorry to bother you ladies, but I'm, I'm at a bit of a loose end because I've just spent the morning with my kids and my ex-wife. I know it sounds weird, but they're here with the family and we do Christmas together. And now Byron seems to be shutting. There's nothing. Is there anything open? You look like you're going somewhere. Where are you going? Because I need to find something. Great line. Yeah. Great line. So I was, so I looked at him and you know, when you just feel like I was just like, oh my God, there's something about this guy. I need to find out what. And my friend just looked at me as if to say, no. And I never do that. Like, normally if I get chatted up, I'll be like, no, I'm not interested. You know, I always, in the past, have dated friends of friends or people that have been able to suss out from a distance. Yeah. So I said, we, we're going back to our place. It's got a pool and a hot tub. Do you want to come? <laughs> well, that's, that's slightly more forward than what I think he was probably expecting. Yeah, exactly. He was like, completely like, oh. So he went back to his hotel, long story short. He's a musician. He got his guitar. He got a four pack. And he came to our place and he serenaded me and my friend. Get um, away. He wrote a song. So he writes songs as well. Oh, this guy's sick. He's, he's, this, he's sickening me. <laughs> so he wrote the Zoe song, which I've got on video that he played for us. And he, to this day, says, I, have no, I had no idea idea what was going on I didn't know why I was there I didn't know why you, you you know he said so I just thought I'd just hang with you girls and I just completely fell in love with him right there and then I honestly did I thought this guy's amazing okay so he lives in Bo where does he live now Bondi he lives in Bondi you're freshwater and that's the dream and we've been dating like eight weeks but that was Christmas day wow I know <laughs> I, adore, I absolutely adore him he's just incredible and what do you what do you think he thinks of you I think he thinks the same, but he's absolutely terrified. Like, he's properly terrified. Of course you would be, right? Look at your face when I said, oh, I fell in love with him. You were like, Bleh. Yeah, but no, I, my, my, my face wasn't surprise of 
um, like I think he would have the surprise. My, mine was like, that's I love that. Oh, right. I Man, love geez. the fact that you've just... You know, I, I like the fact that he's gone three times past. <laughs> um, and then he's had the balls to actually say something to you girls because most people would either walk past the first time maybe the second the third and keep going yeah but the fact that he stopped I take my hat off to him yeah great result he's awesome um Oh, that's a good... And his kids, where do they fit in? Um, Obviously, Charlie's 12. Charlie's 12, so he's got a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old as oh, well. Oh, there we go. There we go. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, so this... Out. It's just a great thing. Yes. A great thing. So, what did you guys get up to today? Just a nice walk along the beach? Yeah. So, I came down. I might be renting a room down there to stay in when I don't have Charlie. So, he just came to meet me. Oh, beautiful. Um, we just took his dog for a little walk. I'm heading back to get Charlie from school, so oh, so okay. I'm jump on the fast ferry and I'll get back. Sorry, I took you the slow way then. No, it's all right. There's a key. He's, he'll be all right. He'll ring me if he can't get in. Well, it's just that blows me away. Um, what's what's next on your lists? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, the oh, Africa right. and the Galapagos. They're a couple of they're a little way away. Well, so the, one of the re- one of the reasons I wanted to be here was I love Southeast Asia, but I've never been to New Zealand, I've never been to Japan, I've, and so I wanted to do a lot of travel, which obviously I can't now. So this is a good question: What is next? What's the What's the bubble the bubble dream right now? Because that's what we're in. We're in a bubble here in Australia. Really connecting with Charlie before he grows up too fast. I'm getting a lot of mum time, which I've not had. You talk about that thing about you know there's things for a reason. That's mm. the reason why I got back in the car this afternoon. There you go. Yeah. Oh, so, bless you. <laughs> no, no, it was awesome. That was awesome. I love that. Yeah, people don't ask. It's funny, isn't it? A great story, Zoe. <laughs> great story. It's got everything. It's Is got it, it a little got... bit of tragedy. It's got a little bit of, you know, lost romance, found romance. Um, it could be a movie, couldn't it? I'd watch it. I'd watch it. It's love, actually. Oh, it's man. a modern day love, actually. That would be amazing. That is incredible. There you go, darling. Thank you so much. Well, oh, the pleasure was mine. Great yeah, day. Pleasure. You too. Stay Thank safe. You. Bye. Talk soon, Zoe. Well, that was Zoe, and she was, she, I actually can't wipe the f- smile off her face. She was phenomenal. I mean, really, really good. Uh, wow, hasn't she lived a life? Married at 24, liver bursts, it's cancer. Doctors say she should die a few times, but she pulls through. Doctors say a year of recovery psychologist says three and it's her spiritual recovery of seven years that got her to write the bucket list which brought her to Australia and her son and her ex and his new partner and they've just had a baby congratulations to them man get me a better story than that I defy you absolutely defy that was phenomenal love Zoe waiting for Connie at the moment. I've had to pull over on the road. I see the footpath. Because this road is a bit of a shocker. Hopefully she won't be too long. There's someone coming out the door now. Hopefully she turns right. I'll give her a quick call. Hello? Oh, g'day Connie. It's Christian. How are you going? Hey, good, how are you? Good, I'm in the blue car just in front of that guy with the uh, the whiteboard, the one that's walking away from you now. Oh, yeah, okay. No worries. Is it a Mazda? Yeah, the Mazda Oz Uber one. Yeah, okay. Thanks. Awesome, thank you. Cheers. Rightio, so Connie's on her way.
Hey, Connie, how are you going? Good. Sorry about that. It's a bit hard to stop there. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, some hand sanitizer in the back there for you. And the microphone in the middle is just like you know, is me recording for my podcast. Oh, wow. Okay. So I hope awesome. you don't mind if you leave it on. That's fine. Yeah, awesome. What's the podcast about? It's just passenger chats, like, you know, <laughs> real passengers telling awesome stories. Wow, that's really cool. It is cool. Episode 8 went out two days ago and... Um, I just, love podcasts. Wow, so you're going to love this even more. Yeah. yeah. I don't really know if I'm that interesting. Gosh. Well, let, 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 <laughs> let's, you know, what have we got, 15 minutes to decide? Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, what do you do? Where, where are we taking you? Off to Glebe? Uh, off to Glebe, yeah, yeah. What um, do you do? I, this is such a weird thing to say on a podcast. I'm actually in a rehab at the moment. Okay. Yeah, so like a drug and alcohol rehab. It's called Detour House. Um, but that's cool. That's a good yeah, step. Yeah. So I've been um, in recovery from like alcoholism for like uh, about a year. Um, it was pretty bad for about like, um, gosh, like six years. It got pretty bad. Really? Um, it's my 30th birthday on Monday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. But um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really good program. It was, It's like a long-term sort of... Um, program. Um, Do you mind if I ask why, uh, I mean, was it, was it you that decided to go into rehab or was it an, yeah, an decided, intervention or? Yeah, I decided to go um, just because things were getting bad, like with my mental health and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it was just been like, I don't know, it's been a good, it's been a good process, like just healing and recovery has That's been That's really brave of you though. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So what do you do during the day when you say you're going into rehab today what I mean how long are you there for uh so we're there for it's it's like a three-month program and you're in there for three months from now yeah three months oh no 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 I have um about four weeks left so is it just you just go there during the day yeah yeah it's it's an in like it's an inpatient sort of program so like more power to you that's awesome yeah that's awesome yeah what what drove that though I mean was there you talked about the mental health aspect. Yeah, like I had relationship issues and I was in a really toxic relationship for like three years. Um, and what made you get out of that? <sighs> was it your choice to get out? No, not necessarily. Okay. Like, it, yeah, it was really, I don't know, it was, it was, it was a strange relationship, but I did like, I, I chose to end the relationship because of like my drinking and stuff like that and I was affecting like you know my ex-partner a lot with that as well but um yeah I don't know like it just sort of broke down like it just completely broke down because of everything and he like we just weren't good together like he wasn't good for me there was a lot of like I don't think that he was aware of it but there was a lot of emotional abuse and like distrust and stuff like that yeah right well yeah so um but, you know, my, my drinking didn't make that any better. So when would you start drinking? Uh, of a day, you wake up? I wake up and... Um, and if, if you don't want to talk about this, please don't. No, no, it's okay. Like, I'm trying to be less... Um, I don't know. Like, I don't think it should be less taboo, the fact that people have problems with this, you know? I think it's really brave of you to talk about it. I mean, I, yeah. I had an, a, an amazing guy called... Uh, ben Hansaker get in the car as my celebrity chat. Yeah. Episode seven when you listen to it. Yeah. And he talks about his battles with mental health and depression and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then another guy called Tony get in the car 
and Tony talked about his battles with drugs and alcohol and I and it's so brave of people to be able to talk about it because I think that's an awesome step to be able to take yeah, is to be able to be able to talk about it and share it if someone gets something out of your chat I'm having with you that makes them make a decision that changes their life exactly we are so much better off exactly that's I completely agree and it's hard to talk about like I was like oh god will I say this but I was like no like I I shouldn't even like I just feel like I should be able to say it and and like I don't care like you know there's, there's maybe some judgment around it and it's really taboo and stuff but like I know from being in recovery that it's so common you know it's more common than I even thought before I got into recovery I have no doubt I have no doubt there's so many um there's so many programs out there and there's so much help that you can actually get it's just about wanting it you know it's about making that step to like be like you know what I want a better life for myself what what was the hardest decision for you though to to go into into rehab was it that stigma yeah, it was the stigma. I was petrified. Like, I was, I didn't know what to expect. I was like, oh my God, am I going to be like in a rehab with a bunch of, you know, crazy, like, junkies? Like, in, like you know, but I, like, I, it's not like that, you know? Yes, I was in rehab with people that took drugs, but it's not like, you know, there's so much like, the, like, I hate the word junkie. Like, I used it, but like, I don't like that word because, like, there are so many different varieties of people that take drugs and drink, like, and you just wouldn't... It's people that you wouldn't even expect, yeah. you know? That, like, like, you know, as an addict, like, speaking from experience, we hide it very well. So you would class yourself as an addict? Yeah. Or, or as an ex-addict? Let's do that. As an um, ex-addict? No, I would class myself as an alcoholic, and I'll always be an alcoholic. Even if I'm not drinking, I'm always an alcoholic because there's so much... Like, there's so much that comes with being an alcoholic. It's a, it's a lot about the way that you are mentally and um, the fact that, like, like I have a disease of alcoholism and if I take one, even a sip of a drink, like, I will inevitably, like, even if it takes a little while, like, fuck up my life, you know? So and, how long have you not, how long have you been clean for? Um, I think it's 70 days. I think I've been... I think today's 70 days. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, well thank done you. to you. Thank you so much. Wow, take my hat off. You're really proud of you. Yeah, thanks. You should um, be proud of yourself, though. I am. I mean, 70 I've days. I've done a lot of work. I have, I've done a lot of work, and, you know, I've been in a couple of... Re- I've been in another rehab before, and, like, it was an amazing rehab. Um, wow, that's, that's yeah. phenomenal. That really is, Connie. I love that. Yeah. Um, I asked you earlier, your... When you when you when you were in the in the thick of it, yeah. when you'd wake up in the morning, would you start drinking early? No, so I like I was a binge drinker, so I would wait a little bit. Like I would always wait until about the afternoon or the night time, and I would. Um, it started like it's it started with me going out like normal, like anyone, like you go out with your mates and yeah. have a drink or whatever. But I would always be the one that drank to excess and blacked out. I always blacked out. Like really? Like our drinker. Was that frightening though? Absolutely. I never knew what happened. I never knew what I did. I never knew the situations that I put myself in. Like I'm very, very lucky. Like a lot of blackout drinkers get in a lot worse situations than I got in. Not saying that, that like the situations that I put myself in weren't bad because there was some bad stuff that happened. But like, yeah, like it, it, it was just... Where, where was the strangest place you found yourself when you woke up? Oh God. Um, 
I was pretty good. I usually always got back to my well, that's, back to my house. That's comforting, I guess. Yeah. Um, like it, it wasn't like. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I mean when I say I was pretty lucky. Like, do you have, you, have you someone a, else's bed? But like, you know. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> do, you, do you have a good network of friends? Yeah, I have a couple of really close friends who are super supportive with that. And family? Yeah, my my dad's in recovery. Like, my dad's been sober for like twenty five years or something like that. Like, he's oh, that's phenomenal. He, like, yeah, he's an alcoholic. So, um, so when you said to dad, um, who's been in recovery twenty five years, and more power to him. When you said to Dad, look, I've got a problem, mm-hmm. what was his response? He knew. He was like, I knew it. Like, I, I know I know what the signs are because I've been there. Yeah. And he was just like, I knew it. I was just waiting for you to, you to want to get help, you know? Because so, that's got to be tough from a parent's point of view to absolutely. see their... I mean, I've got two daughters. Yeah. And I think if ever they were in that position, and God forbid they are, yeah. for their own... For not, I don't say God forbid in that way. I just... No, I know. You know what I mean? I want that for you. No, and I I think I would be, as your dad was to you, you'd be as supportive as you could be, but you don't want to tread on their toes to the point where you're pushing him away, but then you don't want to see them sick. Yes. So, I mean, that's... It was a struggle for him, I think, because it was like, how do I support her and encourage her to get help, but also, like, because he knew, it's like he knew that I had to want it, and he knew that I had to do it on my own. Yeah. You know, and he knew that I, I was ultimately person that had to make those decisions. I think you made such a great choice though, darling. Yeah, I, like you're, I did. You're, <laughs> you're a cracking girl, you really are. And Thank I think you've you. got, you're, you're 30 on Monday. Yeah. Wow, I'm that's a, it's a new chapter. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so keen for my 30s. Everyone's like, oh my God, I'm 30. Have no. you found someone new? What do you mean? As in a partner? Uh, yeah, uh, sort of, yeah. Well, no, but I don't, don't I mean, no, that's, I'm, that's, I'm, that's I'm, a like, good it's step. early days, but I'm very happy, and it's kind of like, wow, this is what it's like to be, like, treated nicely. This is great. But, like, you know, like, you know, all respect to my ex, like, he just, I don't think he knew how to, you know, and he didn't. And when you're in a toxic situation, yeah. it's hard to, I think it's going to be hard for you guys to know what's right and wrong. Yeah, um, exactly. And I've done a lot of work on knowing myself and knowing you know, my boundaries and stuff like that. So I think that this is going to be a lot different. Oh, Connie, I'm super proud for you, darling. I think you have you've, you are going to smash it out of the park. You really are. Thank you so much. That means a you've lot. I'm my, so made, glad I got in this Uber. You've made, you've made my day, and I hope you... I, I, I just know you will. I know you're going to pull through this. Yeah, thank um, you. And you will, you will be on the podcast at some point, because I think you're yeah. an inspiration to other people. You really are. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Don't be silly, darling. You have a great day. You too. And can you let me? Can you follow me and let me know how yeah, you go? I will. A hundred percent, I will. Awesome. Awesome. What was your name? Christian. Christian. I'm yeah, Connie. Connie, have awesome. a cracking day, darling. You too. So good to meet you. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Bye bye. She's a great girl, that one, Connie. Just coming through recovery. So for all those people out there that do hear this, and this has been a bit of a theme with some of these uh, these stories, is that people struggling with addiction and depression and that sort of stuff you know she went and got help and it's absolutely changed her life and 30 years old on monday happy birthday connie and again it's why i do this job it really is i just i wish you all the all the luck in the world darling you you absolutely deserve it and i hope this relationship you found is the one that just gives you that beautiful smile that you had you had a beautiful smile connie so um well done to you. You've actually made me smile, so well done. Actually made me a little bit upset because 
people. <clears throat> wow. <clears throat> I did not think that a passenger like you getting and telling that story would make me as, you know, feel like it did, but uh, you're, you're a cracking girl, Connie, and I wish you all the best, huh? Okay, that's the end of another episode, and I really want to thank my three passengers, the three guests that, uh, that I picked up. I really do love this job, I honestly do, and it's just moments like this where you can take a moment to reflect, sit back and reflect, and, you know, Charlie, who was uh, HIV positive, and he's lived with that for a number of years, but he's, uh, he's, he's working in that field now, and the education on that is incredible. What, what I learned from Charlie was, was much more than I ever thought I would in relation to HIV and the associated stigmas. So, mate, you've done a fantastic job in that space, and keep up the great work, mate. It's, uh, that's really good. Zoe, your story was just incredible. You jumped in the car, and uh, by the time we got halfway down the first road, we got into your story a little bit, and it was it was it was wonderful to hear your transition from finding out about having cancer to writing your bucket list to ending up in Australia and then finding potentially a little bit of love, and that uh, that made my day. It really did. So congratulations to you, to your son. I hope he uh, I hope he understands how good this country is when he's uh, when he's knocking around. And if we talk about people making my day. I actually had to pull the car over after uh, this next passenger, Connie, got out because I got quite emotional thinking about my beautiful girls. And Connie, your smile was just fantastic. And your story was incredible. It really was. And I think I'm the lucky one. You sent me a text message to say, thanks for the trip. Thanks for listening. But I think I was the lucky one on that uh, particular day to listen to your story and your journey to where you are now, turning 30, you'll be turning 30 on the day that this is released, so happy birthday to you, and thank you for your honesty and your bravery, and um, I actually get emotional thinking about it now, talking about you, because there's just something special about you and your story, and uh, <clears throat> man, this is the third time I've, uh, I've listened to your story, and it gets me every single time, so uh, well done to you, darling, and for all those people out there that are struggling with some sort of substance abuse or addiction, there are a lot of avenues out there for you to get some help. And if you can't find the right place, please don't be afraid to reach out via the web page or the Instagram page. I'll be more than happy to help you. It's, it's what I love about this job is being able to help people in just a small way. Uh, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. We do appreciate all the feedback and Ben and I sort of take that on board and hopefully we can make that a much greater, grander and bigger project than what it currently is. We're having a lot of fun with it. For those people out there that have donated via the Patreon link on the webpage, thank you so much. It does go all back into what we're doing, especially with Ben's time on the editing at the moment. So for those people out there that have donated, greatly appreciate it. Again, one last thanks to everybody for listening. The downloads are climbing and that's a fantastic thing for us. Hope you enjoy episode nine and we look forward to seeing you in the coming episodes.